kicking off this series, explaining the whole concept of living in daytight compartments. How many of you felt like you lived this past week more in daytight compartments than you had before? Good. Some of you have stepped up to the challenge. Some of you just had difficulty doing it. Uh, but have, have you stopped any bad habits? Or have you started any good habits? We're praying for both of those. Don't worry about making a year-long commitment or some kind of a New Year's Eve commitment or, or some kind of a goal. How about doing it for one day? Can you do it for one day? Either stopping something that's bad or, or starting something that's beneficial. Can you do it for one day? I believe you can. I believe you can do it for one day. Well, if you do it for one day, you've won the day. And if you get up and do it again the next day, you're on a winning streak. That's called sanctification. And so I hope you're taking that serious. Win the day. And that's what we've been talking about. The book uh, is written by Mark Patterson, I believe his name is, uh, Batterson with a B. And I encourage you to get that, read that. It might be beneficial to you also. Got all those little icons on the bottom, by the way. Last week was flipped the script. Have you flipped your script? Have you seen beyond your story? Uh, Last week I told you the story about our bus and how God had another plan in mind to show how great he was. This week we're going to tell a whole story from scripture and God specifically tells us, I let this happen. Because I wanted to show you my glory. And and so are you seeing beyond your story? This week, the little icon is that wave. Maybe you saw that in the the little bumper video before the message, kiss the wave. What's all that about? I'll tell you what that's all about. Last week, we had a little typewriter in the uh, icons. This week, it's water. It's waves. I, I, I don't know if you notice all the details that go into this stuff. But this week, we got the water there. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. When the day. Let God show up and let him show off and let's be part of his story. Let's pray together this morning. Would you pray this prayer? God, I know you've got something for me to hear, so I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, I know you've got something for me to hear. I'm willing to listen. God, may you be glorified. May everyone hearing this message be edified and may Satan be horrified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The big idea this week is I must take the first step of faith and God will reveal my next. Don't you just wish at times God would tell you everything that has to happen and exactly what's coming down the road? Wouldn't it be great if he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to do this, 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 and this, and then I'm going to do this and it's going to work out great. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, We think it would be nice, but actually be kind of boring, right? Uh, uh, Life is full of mystery and there's a lot of things that happen and God doesn't tell us his whole plan. Look through scripture. From Old Testament through New Testament, we've got characters in, in the Bible who had to live by faith and God honored them for taking that first step. It's always that first step into the unknown. You remember watching the movie, what was it, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember that leap of faith? Remember that? We had to step out and and he couldn't see it. And remember that whole thing? Oh, I love that. That was a great scene. As believers, we're taking every step like that. Every step of our lives is faith in God. God, I'm going to take this step of faith. And then you take that step and God says, good step. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And we live by faith. How do we do that? We kiss the wave. Kiss the wave. Keep thinking about what that means. 
Our key verse comes out of Exodus 14. You're going to meet me there in a little bit. If you want to start heading there in a gadget or in print, Exodus chapter 14. The key verse out of that passage is, do not fear, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The colors there are my insertion. The Bible doesn't have colors in it, uh, except for if you got the red letter edition. Not fear, stand firm, be still. Sounds like a three-point message is coming your way. Not fear, stand firm, be still. Some of you are like, Pastor, you're all confused. You're telling us to take a step, and then you're telling us to be still. Sometimes being still is taking that first step. You'll see what I mean in just a little bit. Be still. Don't run around crazy. Don't run around nuts. And how many times do we do that in life? Something happens and we run around like crazy trying to fix it, figure it out, do everything we can in our own power. How fruitless, effortless, and and, and in vain that is to do all of that instead of being still and taking the step God wants you to take in faith. In Psalm 114, verse 3, it talks about the story I'm going to read, and it says, The Red Sea saw them coming. Everybody say them. And quickly broke apart before them. This morning, as we talk about this epic story in Exodus, uh, there might be some things that we've never thought of before, even heard before, when it comes to this story. And Psalms kind of reveals that something beyond the, 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 the story we have about Moses just raises his hand, the waters just part. That's what we, we know, right? Uh, but there might be something beyond that. Psalm indicates that there's something more beyond that. Yes, Moses had to list his arm in faith, right? And the waters did part. But the Bible seems to indicate that the sea saw them coming. Not Moses. He saw them coming. Who's the them? God's people. And they came. They went forward. They walked to the water. And when the sea saw them coming... It quickly departed before them. Let's read the context, though. Let's go to Exodus 14. Did you meet me there? Let's skip four verses to save time. How about that? Verse 5. Verse 5, Exodus 14. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. You know that. If you grew up in the church like I did, you know that Pharaoh, Pharaoh... Oh, baby, let my people go. Huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know the story that the, that God's people, Israel, was slaves to Egypt. And, and Moses was told to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Huh. And then Pharaoh eventually recanted and let the people go. And as they left Egypt, Pharaoh goes, what are we thinking? These are my slaves. These people do all the work. I mean, they, they are the, the bridge builders and the road pavers and the building builders. What am I thinking? Let's not let them go. Let go get them back. And that's where we're at. Verse 6. So Pharaoh, we're talking about, had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching boldly. The Egyptians... All Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Phi Hapharoth, opposite of Baal Zephron. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. 
And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. There's a whole workshop there for pastors about leading. We won't get into it. Oh, the people grumble. The people grumble. The people mumble. The people don't like God's provision. This has been their MO all along. God leads them out, provides for them, and they grumble and they mumble. The manna from heaven just gets old, you know, and, and they grumble and complain. And the people are grumbling and complaining. Moses does the unbelievable. I mean, when God told Moses he was to go and let his people out of captivity, Moses is like, who am I? that I can, I'm going to go speak for you, and, and who am I? The unthinkable happens. God provides so that his people are now free, and they grumble and mumble because they see the first danger, the first fear. It's like a lot of us, isn't it? Don't we grumble and complain? I, I'm not picking on all you guys only. I do too. I, I hate going to the Myers out there on Brown Road. I hate going out there. What have they done? Every other Myers you go to, there's lanes open. But this Myers decided that we're going to put a thousand people through two lanes. And there's two lines. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. My wife hates going with me because I'm so anxious the whole time. I got my cart, you know, and I'm like, don't let those people in. There's somebody coming. They don't know that we're all in line. There's a thousand people in line. You, 55-year-old man, get over and get in line. You know, and it just drives me nuts. I'm anxious. I'm nervous the whole time, grumbling, complaining. Don't even send me to the Secretary of State. I, I lose my salvation. I don't even believe you can lose your salvation, but I lose mine every time I go to the Secretary of State and got to wait there. Last time I was there, I took over the Secretary of State. Did I tell you that story? I had to take over. Hey, I went there and they won't let people in. You got you to gotta knock and knock and knock and, and they finally come to the door and make sure you're on the list. And then they, if you're on the list, they let you in. And the little lady told me, you can go stand in line. Go stand in line. So I went and stood in line. And then somebody else came and she said, there's too many people in line. She told the guy, go sit down. So he's sitting down. Well, then they all are working and nobody's paying attention. There's like five people at the door and I'm looking at them going, you can't come in. <laughs> finally, nobody's coming. So I went to the door and I'm like, you can't come in until they check you in. And when they check in, they'll tell you to sit down or stand up. And then finally a lady comes and she's checking them in. And she said, okay, you guys can go get in line. I said, no, he is in line next. I took over the whole secretary of state. I did. I had to take over. I'm like, you're in line next behind me. You go sit down here. I'm telling everybody where to go and what to do. I'm telling you, we get so worked up. But as people of God, things come in our life that are much heavier than the line at Myers or the Secretary of State. And we act like that. We act like, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta fix this. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. You're skipping the whole story. You're skipping my whole plan. Be still. Be still. So we got the complainers. Moses, now you've done it, you killed us. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Friends, how many of you have forgotten that the Lord's fighting for you? How many of you have forgotten that the Lord is on your side? 
The Bible says some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. How many of you have forgotten that God is in your story and he might be doing something behind the scenes and he's, it's all happening so that we can give him the glory and praise who he is. That's what Moses told the people. But then in verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? I love this about Moses. Moses apparently is telling the people, calm down, be still, the Lord fights for you. And then he goes and prays, God, help us! He's crying. The Lord even says, why are you crying? Stop your crying. And here's what he says. I need to hear this because I think it has something to do with the story. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Everybody say, go forward. That's what God said to do. As a leader, I'd be crying out to God. But God, what do you mean go forward? There's water. There's nothing but water. We can't go forward. There's water. We can't get around it. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can't go back. They're coming. They're coming. We're stuck. Go forward. What do you mean go forward? I'd be crying like a baby. Apparently Moses is crying as a leader saying, you got me in a spot here, Lord. And the Lord's like, yeah, exactly. He's good at that. He's just so good at that. Verse 16, he tells Moses, raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Stop. What was the first command? Go forward. Everybody say go forward. The action is supposed to be move on. Then, Moses, raise your hand. Then God will part the sea. Every movie I've ever seen has always shown Moses raising his hand, the sea parts, and then they walk through. And I know that's what the Scripture talks about here, and it's what we have in front of us. But I'm going to talk to you about what the people of Israel to this day still talk about. Verse 17, he says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front of them and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Oh, Psalm 139 is my favorite passage in all of Scripture. And it's, David says, you hem me in behind and before. Such knowledge is too wonderful for you, too lofty, I cannot attain it. What does that mean, hem me in? David was a military man. Hem me in is a military uh, kind of words. And those of you who have served in the military, you know what it means about I got your back. I've got your six. And what God does is he hems you in behind and before. He blazes a trail for us where we're going. But he also has our back so that we're going forward. We've got our protection. They've been being led by this pillar of fire and this cloud. And now that, that all leaves and says, well, there's nothing in front of you but this sea. You're supposed to get going. I'll come around behind. God's got your back. He's blazing a trail in your life. Do you have faith in him? Then the Bible says, it came between the armies of Egypt and Israel throughout the night. The cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it to dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. 
as I read this again with new eyes, I see that Moses stretches out his arm, but God doesn't just go. He stretches out his arm, and it doesn't mean there's a sidewalk instantly. The Bible says throughout the night, the water is pulled back. What What are they supposed to be doing all this time? Go forward. Wow. Let's keep reading. Verse 23, the Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of the chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and the chariots. Moses stretched out his hands over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the wall of water on their right and to their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Egyptians saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Moses, why are you bringing us out here to die? Didn't they have cemeteries in Egypt? We'd been much happier dying in Egypt than dying out here. And the Lord says, you aren't dying anywhere. I'm going to do something. But you need to take a step. I can't. There's water. Kiss the wave. Kiss the wave. This morning, I love that passage. The sea saw them coming. Who? The people. And it quickly broke apart before them. There's a legend in Judaism about a man named Nashon. Might not be a man that you've heard a lot about. He's in the Bible. He gets one begat. That's all we get. I don't know if you know about Scripture. There's Old Testament passage where so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so. Nashon gets one begat. He happens to be the great, great, great grandfather of King David. And he was the leader of the tribe of Judah when they went into the sea. We don't have it in Scripture Legend in, in Judaism teaches that Nashon was a big part of this story. And when they tell the story about God parting the sea, they always tell the story of Nashon. In verse 15, God said to go forward. And at that time, the Judaist, uh, people of Israel, the Jewish people, they claim that Nashon, leader of the tribe of Judah, stepped up and stepped into the Red Sea. Their legend tells us that when they're standing there and there's nowhere to go to flee and there's no way to escape and God tells Moses, you got to lift your arm. But before he does all that, God says, move on. (laughs) Go forward. It was Nashon, the first person who walked into the Red Sea, ankle deep, thigh deep, (laughs) waist deep, chest deep. The legend in Israel is that Nashon walked all the way out to his neck in the water, all the way up to his nostrils, 
and the water parted. I don't know that that's true because Scripture doesn't tell us that's exactly what happened. But from what Psalm tells us, the sea saw them coming. They had to move forward. They had to move on. Go forward. Nashon is kind of a superhero. He's kind of like the Aquaman of, uh, of Israel. And they tell his story about his first step of faith, stepping into the sea. Wow. You've heard the saying, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Well, there's a new one. If you, if you want God to make a sidewalk through the sea, you've got to wade into the water. Are you willing to wade into the water? Is an old song. Wade into the water. Just a little bit deeper. Wade out in the water. Are you wading into the water in faith? Are you going through something that you don't see the answer for? Well, God requires a simple thing. Be still. Go forward. Take that first step of faith. Let God reveal what's the next step. Maybe he's going to put a sidewalk right through that sea. If you want God to do the super, quite often he asks you to do the natural. Are you willing to do that? Take that first step of faith. Kiss the wave. What does this come from? Maybe you've never heard it before. This saying, kiss the wave, comes from a quote that Charles Spurgeon said many, many years ago. He was talking about going through troubles and hardship in life, and he said this quote, I've learned to kiss the wave that dashes me onto the rock of all ages. Kiss the wave. The wave sometimes is the thing that throws you against the rock, but it's the rock of all ages you're getting dashed upon. Israel needed to learn the lesson again. Take that first step of faith and see what God will do. And at the end of the story, what, is the, what do they do? They give glory to God and they thank God for Moses. It's a win-win-win the day. <laughs> I've learned to kiss the wave that dashes me on the rock of all ages. This morning, don't curse your situations. Don't hate your problems Learn to kiss the wave because those are the things. You know what? We, we dream about it, don't we? That there would be no waves in life, no rough sh- sh- you know, seas. We, we dream about that. Oh, wow, Lord, why don't you just pave everything for us? Why don't you just pave the road for us? Make it easy for us. If he did, do you think you'd ever praise him? Do you think you'd ever learn to trust in him? Do you think you'd ever grow in faith in him? No, he gives us opportunities. He gives us opportunities. In verse 4, which we did not read, God says, I did all this so that you would show me your glory. I show you my glory. Psychologists tell us we're born with two fears. I got a lot more than that, but you're born with two. Natural fears. Falling and loud noises. My daughter Emily would love that. My middle child hates loud noises. She's, we didn't realize that. She's very sensitive to loud noises until we went back and looked at all our kids' pictures. And all of her kids' pictures, she had her hands over her ears. We'd take her to the 4th of July fireworks and we took her to see the Thunderbirds. And all of the pictures of my child growing up, she had her hands over her ears. She hates loud noises. My dog does too. Apparently, we've been born with two fears built in, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. All the other fears we learn. Therefore, we can unlearn. And I know you're saying, Pastor, you're, you're the worst one to talk about fear. I know. 
I, 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 I am a wuss. I am a scaredy cat. And I, I can just insert any story here. The old timers have heard this three years ago. I shared it. I'll share it again. We have a lot of new people that haven't heard my fear stories. I'm going to tell you my favorite one. I don't like falling. Nobody likes falling. And so I, I love roller coaster rides and, and, and amusement park rides. I love the thrill of the rides, but I, I, I don't like the, um, what's that thing that takes you across the park on a, on a cable? I can't ride those. The whole time I'm looking up at the bolt that's holding it to that cable, thinking that's going to that's gonna break. I don't like the swings. You ever ride the swings at the park? You know, the, they just go round and round, then they go way up high, and you're hanging from that chain link. The whole time I'm looking at the chain link thing. It just takes one weak link. Which one's rusty? I don't like dangling. Why? Because I don't like falling. I like roller coasters. You got something underneath you most of the time, so I feel pretty good about that. But the first time I river rode, um, what's that one at, at uh, uh, Cedar Point? It was brand new. It was a racing one. What's that called? Top speed dragster thingy. It was brand new. And, and you don't understand. Today it's nothing. But when it was brand new, it was quite the thing. They put up bleachers. Half the park would just sit and watch people ride this, and we'd laugh our heads off at the people scared to death. I, I, I watched it. I sat in the beaches, and I watched. It pulled out, and it stops, and it's supposed to be like a drag strip, and it, the lights turn from red to yellow to green, then it shoots out of there at a million miles an hour and goes all the way up to heaven and turns upside down, and then it comes down and comes back in. It's really not that... But it goes way up high and turns upside down and then comes back. And I'd watched 30, 40-year-old men sitting in there, and it's just hovering. It just... And you could see him holding on to the, and they start shaking, and then it would go yellow, green. Ah! These guys would just scream, and I'd sit there and go, ah, ha, 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 ha. I'd laugh. I'm like, look at that guy. Yeah. And my friend said, You want to ride it? I said, What? <laughs> so we got in line. And back then it was like a two hour wait, which is, is annoying, but it also gives you two hours to build up your anxiety. And you know what they do? They just take you and it's loop you underneath the ride the whole time. Over and over again, we're watching people shoot out of there at a million miles an hour, go up to heaven, turn upside down, and come back down. Ah! The whole time. Closer you get, the more anxious you get. Man, my heart's pounding. I'm sweating. I'm getting so nervous about this ride. We're, we are within the turnstile. I'm probably, you know, the cattle thing. I'm probably five turns and I'm up. And it starts to rain. And inside I thought, thank you, Lord. They got to shut this down. They got to shut this down. They didn't shut it down. Just, it's just sprinkling. I get closer. I'm about three cattle turns run from, from the, and about three. And I started looking and, and I wanted to know who's running the ride. And I realized there's nobody over the age of 19 running this thing. Everybody running this thing has got pimples. That's not right. I'm sitting there thinking, who? There needs to be an adult over this thing. And we kept getting closer. It kept raining. And we get up there, and no lie, I'm the next in line. I'm in the turnstile, and the poor guys are in front of us, and we're just like, see you later. And they, they go out, and I watch as they shoot out, go up a million miles an hour. They shoot out, and they go up to heaven, they turn upside down, and their ride gets stuck. And they're hanging upside down, and the whole time, everybody's just dangling, screaming, ah! And instead of releasing and going down, it comes backwards to the start. And those people... When they, that cart came in in front of me, I'm looking at them. They're just white as a ghost. They're shaking. There's tears. And the little teenage boy in charge of the ride, he goes, okay, listen, sorry, we can't let you out. You've got to complete the ride. Send them. Shoots them out of there at a million miles an hour, goes up to heaven, goes upside down, and comes back in. Those people were spent. 
And they got off the ride and it's my turn. I'm shaking, I'm nervous, my knees are weak. I'm thinking they should shut this down. We need an adult here. Help somebody help us. I get in my seat. And I remember getting in there and I start to pull this thing down. Now this thing comes over your head and it clicks down. Well, I pulled it over my head and get it and it won't click shut. Apparently I'm stronger than most people. So I'm, I'm kind of panicking because I want this thing to shut. I want it to click and it won't click. And I look at the teenage boy and I said, it won't click. And he comes over and he knows what to do. He's had strong people before. He takes his knee and he shoves it on it. And he, he, he's kicking, he's kicking. And I'm pulling and all of a sudden the kid, he, he goes, I think it clicked. Send him. You want to talk about fear. I didn't wait until they shoved me out. I started screaming then. I screamed the whole way. We shot out of there a million miles an hour. I went up to heaven and we went upside down and I came back. For 30 seconds while we're parked, I'm still screaming. I thought for sure I was going to die. Fear is awful. Teenagers running a ride are awful. Oh, goodness. I can't imagine that scene as Moses is supposed to lead this whole group of people. And he's turning and telling God, "Ah, we're in trouble. I don't think my safety's clicked. I don't know what you're doing. This ride is out of control. Go forward. What do you mean send them? That's what God did to Moses. Hey, send them. (laughs) What do you mean send them? This can't be safe. Nashon, where are you going? I'm going forward. Stick your hand out, Moses. (laughs) I'm getting wet. (laughs) And we're told to go forward. How do we do that? How do we kiss the wave? How do you kiss the wave that's not enjoyable, that's messing with your life? Three things this morning. I must face my fear. I must face my fear. Fear is a prerequisite. The answer to fear is not the disappearance of fear. It's surviving fear in tiny doses. (laughs) We need to learn to manage it, not get rid of it. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that fear God first is how you manage it. What does that mean when we hear fear God in the Bible? Fear God means to... Highest esteem, to revere Him the most. We fear God first. And when you fear God the first, you you have nothing else to fear. If you're struggling with fear today, your fear just won't go away automatically. You need to learn to manage it. How do you manage it? Well, face your fears by putting your fear in God first. Put your fear in God first. If you put your fear in God first, you'll have nothing else to fear. Why? Because he does what he does here. If he did it before, he'll do it again. I'll fight your battles. I'll go with you, he says. See, everyone wants a miracle, but nobody wants to be in a situation. Come back 
As a believer, are you walking in faith? Face your fears. Learn to manage your fears. Put your fear in God. Esteem Him high. Revere Him the most. That's what we're told to do. In Exodus 14 and verse 4, in order to display my glory, God says. So God is going to do some things in your life and you're going to struggle with it. You're not going to like it, but it's going to kiss the wave and dash you upon the rock of all ages. That's a good place to be. That's a good place to be. Number two, I've got to stand my ground. Be still. I know in Scripture, uh, there's so many different versions. And so uh, one version says stand still. Another version says stand firm. Another version says take your stand. Another version says stand your ground. God says, I will be with you. That's what he says. I don't know exactly what Moses was thinking when he's in this situation as the leader and they're stuck up against the water and there's nowhere else to go and the army's caving in and crashing in and he's going to God and he's, he's crying out and God's like, why are you crying? Go forward. I can't, can you imagine maybe Moses went back to that burning bush? Remember that moment when he met with God? And I want to take you back to the first question that he asked God because it was the wrong question. And I'm thankful that God didn't even answer his question at the burning bush. You remember the burning bush, right? Moses, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. He tells him that he wants him to lead his people. He tells him all these things. And the first question Moses asks is, who am I? You might ask the same thing to God. Who am I that, that you're going to do this great thing through me? Who, who am I? We can ask God that as a church. Who, who's Oakwood? We live, we, we're not even in Oxford. We're not, we're not even in Lake Orion. We're like the third cousin out of town, right? Why would God do anything great here? Who are we? Who am I? And God doesn't even honor the question with an answer because he's like, Moses, you're asking the wrong question. If you really want me to answer, you're not much. So instead of answering the question, who am I? God simply says who he will be, who God would be. He's like, Moses, you're asking the wrong question. It's not about who you are. I will be with you. I will be with you. But, but, but I can't speak. I, 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 I stutter. I, I, I can't go to Pharaoh and talk. He says, I know. That's why you're perfect. You go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But, but I, I, I can't talk. I know. I'll be with you. Who, who am I to go tell Pharaoh what to do? I'm nobody. I know. You're perfect. I will be with you. <laughs> we got to remember that over and over again. God will be with us. Are you going through fear? Are you going through trials? Are you going through something that's overwhelming? Do you feel like you're up to your nostrils? God says, I will go with you. I will fight your fights with you. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. Stand your ground. There's a great verse in 2 Peter, verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 3. The men met yesterday. We've been going through a three-week thing. Last three Saturdays, had a good group of men coming out, and we, we went through this verse yesterday. 2 Peter 1, 3. His divine power has given us everything we need. I want you to say that line with me. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. I liked it in the, in the contemporary English version. The same verse says, we have everything we need. Say it with me. 
everything we need to live a life that pleases God. It was all given to us by God's own power. When, he, when we learned, he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness. Friends, you have everything you need. Moses had everything he needed. On and on through scripture, David had everything he needed. On and on, every person of faith had everything they needed. Why? Because God was with them. And he's all you need. And he's invited you to share in his goodness. What have we learned? I've got to face my fear. Everybody say face my fear. I've got to stand my ground. Everybody say stand my ground. And then lastly, I must hold my peace. Hold my peace. When the obstacles are there and you're surrounded, I know I'm like you. It's hard to face your fears and to stand your ground. I love what General Anthony McAuliffe said. <laughs> I was reading in, in history that, that General Anthony McAuliffe was the leader at the Battle of the Bulge. And here's what he told his men when they were surrounded on all sides. Can you imagine the Battle of the Bulge and the enemies all around you? What is General going to tell you? Here's what he said. Men, we have the greatest opportunity ever afforded an army. We can attack in any direction. He flipped the script. He kissed the wave. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if his men love that. Men, we have a great opportunity. Just start shooting because you'll hit something. <laughs> Man, as people of faith, God goes with us. And when you're surrounded, that's a great time for him to show his glory. It's a great time for him to come through with a miracle. That's a great time for him to do something supernatural. But he does ask you to take the first step. If he's going to do the super, he wants you to do the natural. Are you willing to take a step of faith? Hold my peace. On November 31st in 1517, Martin Luther, he nailed the 95 Thesis to the door of the castle church. I was there. I, I should have put the picture up on the screen. I was there. I have a picture standing in front of the very doors where Martin Luther nailed his theses to the wall. It was a little after that at the Diet of Worms. Don't ask me who names these things. But it was at the Diet of Worms that he was told to recant. And here's what he said. My conscience is taken captive by God's word. I cannot and will not recant anything. For to go against my conscience is neither safe nor right. Here I stand. I can do no other. Sometimes we just need to stand still. Trust in God. Face your fears, stand still, and hold your peace. There's a saying in the Orthodox Church called, pass the peace. I put it on the screen so you didn't get confused with pass the peas. If you're ever at dinner table and it's time to pass the peas, always pass to the right. It's always right to pass to the right, pass the peas to the right. Next time you pass the peas, I want you to remember what the Orthodox Church says, pass the peace. Pass the peace. It goes back to the teaching that, that Jesus told people, if you're, if you're going to give an offering and you have something against somebody or somebody has something against you, go make it right. Pass the peace. It's hard to pass the peace if you haven't learned to hold the peace. We need to learn to pass the peace on. We are grace givers and peacemakers. We need to learn to pass the peace. How do you do that? You've got to interrupt the pattern. Interrupt the pattern. What's the pattern? We gotta, we gotta love our enemies. The Bible tells us to pray for those who persecute me and bless those who curse me. 
How do you pass the peace? And we need more peace passing going on. How do you pass the peace? Break the cycle. Stop hating your enemies. Stop cursing those who curse you. Love, pray, bless, pass the peace. We need that. Follow the Prince of Peace. If you don't know how or what to do to hold your peace, follow the Prince of Peace. What would he do? What is he doing? Do you have peace in your life? Even during the turmoil, and this is the thing, that the peace that passes all understanding the Bible talks about. And I've experienced it. I've seen people go through immense problems and difficulties in life and have incredible peace. A peace that passes any kind of understanding. It's hard to understand how they could have peace. Only a believer who learns to face their fears and to stand firm and to pass the peace. That's how we kiss the wave when things happen in life. So go forward. I'm going to have the band come and they're going to close us out by singing just the first part of that song, More. But I want to encourage you today to be going forward. Maybe there's something you've been uh, putting off in your life, a difficulty. Maybe there's something you're in right now. You know what they say, you're either coming out of a difficult time or you're just about ready to head into a difficult time or you've just uh, been through a difficult time. You're, you're going to face difficulties in life. And if you've just been avoiding it, face your fears, stand your ground, pass the peace. How do you do it? Take that first step of faith. I don't know what it is for you. Six years ago, uh, we were asked to come be the pastor of, of Oakwood Community Church. I'd always said I'd never be a lead pastor. I love youth ministry. I love teens. But God moves in hearts and lives of people. Five years before that, I stepped away from a job that I absolutely loved and people that I loved to be a missionary. That was a, a step I remember that was a difficult step of peace. Some of you heard me tell that, that story before, that step of faith. We were living in a parsonage, so it was a free house. I had a salary, and uh, we were going to walk away from that, and we were going to have to buy the house that we were living in for free and have no salary. Now, you can write that out on paper any way you want to. It just doesn't work out on paper. You go from a full salary in a free house to buying the house without a salary. You've got to go raise your support as a missionary. And it just, you go home and tell your wife that's the plan. I did, and she said, yeah, that's the plan, let's go. We sat our children down, two girls that were just finishing high school and didn't know how we were gonna pay for college. We told our kids, you know what they said? That's what God's calling you to do, it's gonna be his problem. Take the step, let's go. I had full support of my family to step out on that, that, that crazy limb of faith. And then you know what God did? He built a sidewalk through the sea. He, he, he paved the path. He took care of us. He never let us go. Take that step. I don't know what your step is. I can't tell you what yours is. But I tell you what God said to do. Go forward. There's plotters and plotters. I had to write that out too because plotters and plotters sound like the same thing. You know what plotters are? Plotters are people that have a God's eye view. They've got a big vision. They see the mountain and they're going to take it. They're, they're, they're plotting. I love plotters. We need plotters. We need to think big, dream big, pray hard. I love that. But you know who I love even more? Plotters. You know what plotters are? P-L-O-D-D-E-R-S. Plotters are people that get up every day and they simply win the day. We need plotters. I'm a plotter. T. When we need plotters, D. Every day, get up. And take a step. Go forward. Everybody say go forward. Go forward. Everybody say go forward. 
You want to know who the patron saint of plotters, P-L-O-D-D-E-R-S is? Nashon. Nashon. Go forward. Take a step. Wait out a little bit deeper. Let's pray. God, I pray you'd help us to live this out. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Help us to kiss the wave that would dash us upon the rock of all ages. God, help the people here today that are going to take a step. God, I pray that that step of faith would be the exact thing they need. God, that you would reveal the next step and the next step. Help us to be plotters and plotters. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.